We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. What's up, everybody? Roto-Grinders MLB Morning Grind. It's Wednesday. I am not Stevie. I am the Looch, and I'm here with my good friend, Keith Eister. It's been a while, Keith. Good to hop on the show with you. Yeah, man. Uh, happy to be here to break down some baseball. Um, thought I was going to have a, a fairly decent night here, uh, but uh, Mason Miller just not missing any bats for me. Just a few too many walks. Hunter Brown, I had some Hunter Brown, too. He's He was all over the place today. Just didn't look good. Um Angels got off to a hot start at a bunch of Angels, and then they just didn't do anything the rest of the game. So we're trying to hold on for a couple of min caches here, but we'll we'll see. Um, hopefully this slate goes a little bit better. It's only May 2nd slash 3rd, and we are just seeing a ton of this new era of minor league pitching getting called up early. I mean, both of uh, the Millers and the Seattle-Oakland games showing their stuff, I know – it's not exactly what we wanted from a strikeout perspective, but one nothing ball game, you know, you know, the real life uh, clubhouse managers are happy about what they're seeing. Um, and in the Cleveland, New York game, he didn't get the win, but how do you pronounce this one? Is it Bybee? Bybee, by I think. Bybee, by yep. Bybee. Yeah, yeah. He, he was really good. Looks looks like a another really good young Cleveland pitcher. They're so good at de- developing pitching. Um, they've got some arms, other arms coming too, but yeah, Bybee looked really good Had his strikeout prop. So that's how we started the night. And then just, just downhill from there. Yeah. And he had a really high K rate through the minors. They got Gavin Williams in the minors too. They got some names that you're going to want to look out for. Uh, don't sleep on Cleveland in the next year and a half, two years. So we're just going to talk about the Wednesday slate. We'll save prospect talk for another time. And maybe if there's some props out by the end of our late night recording, I'll uh, fire some at you. But I'll have to check uh, FanDuel toward the end here. Sometimes they open up as we wind down on these shows. And uh, we're going to go game by game. And I'm just staring at George Kirby as I'm talking to you. And he 
wasn't it wasn't long ago that he was a top prospect, and now he's probably going to be chalk on Wednesday. But we will get there when we get there. I'll just try to go chronologically here. There's only eight games on the main slate. You got some afternoon matchups scattered, and you know who knows what kind of slates FanDuel and DraftKings are going to throw out for that. We're just going to focus on the main slate. Uh, 7.05 start on DraftKings, Cleveland, and New York. And uh, we were talking about weather just briefly. Neither of us are Kevin Roth. Neither of us can pretend to be Kevin Roth. Washington looks like it might be a spotty chance for a couple of showers. But other than that, I mean, things as of you know late Tuesday night to two common folks here, things look, look pretty good. Uh, might not be the best hang weather up in New York in the Northeast here, but uh, regardless, we are going to start there. You have Bieber and Clark Schmidt. And let me tell you two things. I was really high on Clark Schmidt before the season. He started throwing a cutter, uh, a lot of good stuff about it, you know, did a lot of reading on him. It is not exactly transitioned. He's really struggled against left-handed hitters um, and kind of in general. We know the stuff's there. We've seen him succeed in the past. It's not a spot I want to uh, give Clark Schmidt another whirl against the low strikeout guardians. And on the flip side, uh, we know what Shane Beamer does. We know who he is. Uh, we know his velocity is very up and down throughout his career. Not striking out a ton of batters. Uh, this season so far, but the Yankees lineup's absolutely putrid right now, especially without Aaron Judge. I don't know who the freaking trainer is in New York, but it's it's bad. It's scary times in New York. So um, Bieber, to me, I think is, is still a tournament option. Like he's someone who I would think I would sprinkle in like a hundred lineups. I don't know if I'd build around him in single entries, but the Yankees lineup so bad right now, Keith, that I would probably have a couple of Shane Bieber shares. Yeah, the strikeouts are the only concern for me. Um, I'll start with Clark Schmidt just because that, that's a pretty easy cross-off for me. Cleveland just does not strike out. Um, I think there's some talent in there. I don't think it's crazy to think he could have a decent outing here. Strikeout stuff just hasn't come around. Like I I'm, was totally with you this spring when he was developing that cutter, and it seemed like maybe he could um, get some lefties out, but just hasn't come to fruition for him. Um, low strikeout Cleveland lineup. Don't think I need to go to Clark Schmidt here. Bieber, it's the strikeouts. Like they're just like he he's been declining ever since his peak. Obviously, he was a when like a Cy Young contender who was striking out everybody. Saw a big drop last year, and then saw another drop again this year. He is all the way down at seventeen percent on the season. Like that's just that's crazy. I don't think he's gonna stay there. I think he's he does have more strikeouts in him than that. And this, like you said, the Yankees are, are really banged up with judge and uh stanton on the il so just not a typical yankees lineup beavers in play but i definitely think there's more upside in, in the 9k range with a couple of other guys and if you can get up to uh cesar otani at the top there's certainly plenty of strikeout upside there kirby below him um so yeah i, I don't i don't think i'll have a ton of beaver but certainly in play i think it's a safe spot for him if you can call ever call it that um with just with the watered down yankees lineup he should be able to get through six or seven innings pretty easily here no, I totally agree. And you know what? Uh, to his credit, uh, he's pitched six games. I would say two of the six games to the teams he's played against are like they don't strike out a lot. Washington and Boston. He had single-digit swing strike percentage against the Nationals and Boston. By the way, it's so weird that the Nationals are just like in this total rebuild but somehow put together a team that doesn't strike out a lot, which is yeah. so weird. Um, so, you know, I, I'm okay with him not being – like quite good against Washington and Boston, but against Seattle, Oakland, New York, and Miami, he's posted a double digit swinging strike rate. Uh, so he already played the Yankees once this season. So I, he's just, it's tough to gauge right now where he's at. I agree. Like 
if you have the salary and you want to play him in something optimal, I don't think he's going to screw you tomorrow. So I, I like, you know, good, good, good choice of words saying Bieber is pretty safe, but we don't know about the upside right now. Uh, so that being said, I mean, do you have any interest in Yankees bats? Like, is there anybody worth playing? I'm just looking at the prices here. Like, you know, Volpe's priced up now because he's starting to play pretty well. Bader's off the IL. You know, he's sub 4K. Maybe you think about him. I just, it's tough for me to even want to play anyone on the New York side, especially if the weather's subpar hitting conditions, which is most likely going to be pretty cool in the Northeast. So I'm kind of out on the Yankees. What do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm out on the Yankees too. I have no interest in picking on Bieber. He's still a, a really solid real life pitcher. He just, this, the strikeouts have kind of disappeared. Um, but uh, the walk rates up a little bit, but still not a guy that I want to stack against. Um, and like you said, pricing, I don't think that I'm really looking for one-offs either here. Um, there are some really cheap bats, obviously, with these fill-ins. Um, definitely not a stack for me. I don't I don't even think I'm trying to find a home run here. Yeah. Mason um, Miller with strikeout number five. Give me one more, dude. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Live sweat on the late night morning grind. You have to love it. On the flip side, uh, Clark Schmidt, who I still think has some untapped potential here. I think he'll come around eventually. It's ugly this season, though, specifically, um, you know, with with hard contact. He's given up 40 percent of hard contact to lefties uh, and a 37 percent fly ball rate. If you look at at his numbers this season, I actually just lied to you. I pressed the wrong button. It's much worse than that. I'm looking at plate IQ and I was looking at Garrett Cole. Backtrack, folks. Clark Schmidt's given up a 415 ISO to lefties, which is absolutely terrible. Uh, very high line drive rate, 52% hard contact to lefties. The XFIP isn't terrible in general, so maybe he's been a little bit unlucky, but these lefty bats are still giving Clark Schmidt a lot of trouble here. So uh, I'm kind of interested in maybe not like a full stack here, but I think, you know, when you're talking about some of the switch hitters in this lineup, you have Josh Bell. Uh, and, of course, Jose Ramirez, who just seems to go overlooked time after time, I feel like. I'm okay with looking for one of these lefties or switch hitters um, to maybe play against Clark Schmidt on Wednesday. Yeah, I, I'm interested in the Cleveland stack, and particularly the lefties, like you mentioned. Josh Naylor is jumping off the page at me, 3,900. Um, Josh Bell at 3,300. Like the power has just completely disappeared for Bell, though. That's the only thing. Um, ever since he left Washington, he just he hasn't looked right. Mason Miller, six. Let's go. <laughs> wow. Um, he backdoored that one, buddy. He did backdoor it, man. <laughs> Check out Keith Ice for scoresnaz.com. Post a lot of props today. <laughs> what a quick plug for the ice, man. Um, yeah, that was that was a nice uh and nightcap there for you, buddy. Jeez. Yeah, two strikeouts in his final inning. I'll I'll take it, man. Anyway, back I mean uh, well, back yeah, at the back ranch. To the Guardians. Yeah. Um, so Naylor's is the the top guy that's jumping off the page outside of Jose Ramirez, obviously um, one of the best hitters in baseball. Like you said, never gets, never, never seems to get too much ownership. This is a great spot for him. Um, I don't like Quan is expensive, but if he can run a little bit, like I don't hate that. And I'm on a lineup that I can, that I think can put up some runs today. Um, Jimenez is 4,500. I think he's in play there. I hope he's up at the near the top of the order rather than like he's been in the six hole quite often this year. Um, so I don't love the pricing on Quan and Jimenez, but I think they're in play. Um, I, yeah, I mean, it's more I, I of a three man stack for me, I think. 
yeah, uh, power bats, a couple of guys. Like, I think he'll be uh, Schmidt will be able to salvage, you know, the outing for the most part. But I think, you know, he just hasn't figured out the lefties. And if you look up Clark Schmidt and some offseason work he did, and you'll, you know, maybe uh, type in like the keyword cutter because he's here's the thing he kind of like barely threw a cutter last year, like five percent of the time. Maybe he started picking up on it, but now he's thrown it like. 30 something percent of the time against lefties. So it's like he wanted that pitch to get an out pitch against lefties. I feel like, and it just hasn't materialized yet. And um, I can't remember where I read one article, but they were talking about like Corbin Burns and like it took Corbin Burns a while to develop his cutter. And you know, Corbin Burns pretty well, Keith. And um, you know, it just might not be there yet. So anyway, I'm rambling about Clark Schmidt. We have seven other games, I guess we both are on the Cleveland lefties here. And if you got anything else, uh, let me have it. I mean, that's, that's really it. The rest would be just to, to make it a full stack. But like I said, I think I'm, I'm primarily interested in the three-man. It'll start with Jose Ramirez. Uh, it'll definitely include Josh Naylor. I think Josh Bell um, and Jimenez are, are certainly options as well. Well, we have to talk about the game with some spotty showers and uh, potentially potentially some weather here. There's like a cloud emoji with rain on DraftKings. So I don't know much, but I know there's a potential weather spot here. Uh, but the Cubbies, your Cubbies. And the Nationals here, and we have Marcus Stroman, who's been a pleasant surprise, uh, scoring off against supposedly Jake Irvin, who's going to make his MLB debut. And uh, he's thrown 22 innings for Rochester, ERA over five. It doesn't look great here. Um, Why don't you talk to me about Marcus Stroman while I look up what Jake Irvin has done in his minor league career? All right. Sounds good. Uh, yes. Like you said, Stroman's been a pleasant surprise. Um, he did finally get beat up his last time out, but he was, he had been phenomenal before that. Um, strikeouts had been up considerably this year. Um, just, he went down to Miami and, and gave up a couple of, of runs. Uh, and the time before that against the Dodgers, he wasn't great either. So maybe he's, he's starting to regress back to the Stroman we've always known. Um, still a really good above average pitcher. The matchup is obviously fantastic against Washington. The only problem is, since we've seen that dip in strikeouts, Washington is a team that does not strike out, like you mentioned earlier. So very similar play to Bieber, in my opinion. I think he's a guy who can get through six clean innings pretty easily and get the quality start and potentially a win here. But the strikeout upside has me concerned a little bit. Um, Can he get to six strikeouts in this matchup? Potentially. Is that enough on an eight-game slate for 9,100? I don't know if it is. Um, So in play for tournaments, I think he can go deep into the game, but I I do have concerns about the upside just due to the the low strikeout Washington bats. I can't pretend to be a Jake Irvin expert, but I can tell you he threw 103 innings last year between double-A uh, and uh, high-A ball, 103 innings, 107 Ks. So it's not like he doesn't strike out anybody. Uh, 3.92 ERA, so he held his own. Um, he struggled more at the higher level. Double-A Harrisburg had an ERA of almost five. Um, and Rochester, he's pitched at 3A in five starts this season, 22 innings, 14 earned runs, and three homers. So um, he just seems like a guy who has – some potential here to be maybe like a I'm, I'm kind of guessing based off numbers here like a middle of the rotation back end starter who just hasn't figured it out every level he's jumped up so weather pending here I, I think maybe we'll look at Cubs because I think there's also a little bit of an unknown here with Jake Irvin um, you know it seems like a pretty volatile range of outcomes but regardless it's the kids MLB debut 
again, I don't know what the weather's going to be. Maybe you get into the Nats bullpen pretty darn early. Maybe you get a, you know, a couple garbage long relievers pitching for the Nationals here. So we'll have to see our ownership shakes out. But the Cubs are kind of growing on me as like a tournament play right now. I, I talked to Stevie yesterday about this. The, the Cubs offense has been really good this year. They're actually second in the league in Woba. Um, they're not striking out as much. And like, there's plenty of power. Patrick Wisdom with another home run on uh, Tuesday night. Shout out to him. Hopefully he can get a little better lineup spot uh, today. These Cubs bats have been performing. And for that reason, they're also a little expensive. So I think you're going to get pretty low ownership here, even though like Urban is a prospect, but not, not a great prospect. Um, just looking at fan graphs here, he ranks 14th in the Washington system. So not expecting much out of here. And like you said, getting into that bullpen early would be a huge plus. Washington's bullpen has been awful this season. Um, at p- wisdom power at 4,500, I'm certainly interested in. Bellinger has been absolutely on fire, 4,300 for him. Love those two prices there. Uh, Nico at the top of the lineup is priced up, but dude's been swiping bags at an extremely high rate. Um, Swanson's starting to heat up a little bit. So I I'm interested in some Cubs as well. Um, you're going to have to do some uncomfortable things like play maybe Nelson Velasquez cracks the lineup. He'd probably be the cheap guy I'm most interested in. Trey Mancini, a little bit of pop, um, at 2,500 could certainly go that route as well. We saw Edwin Rios in the lineup, uh, Tuesday night. So there, there are some cheap ways to help make a Cub stack work, but I think Bellinger and wisdom would be my first two looks. Half is right there at 4,500, too. I don't mind that. Uncomfortable is what wins the tournaments, though. The, the Velasquez's of the world that end up in your full stacks when you normally wouldn't play him in a hand build because it's Velasquez, and why would he have a ceiling game? But the guy comes in at 2% and, you know, hits a triple and scores two runs. You're looking pretty damn good. So uh, I like the Cubs here quite a bit here. We'll, we'll keep a good pace here. We'll move on here to Toronto and Boston. 7-10 Eastern game. Alec Manoa against Nick Pavetta, two pitchers that are extremely fairly praised here. So Alec Manoa up and down, up and down season, showing a little bit of life here, uh, gets a very low strikeout Boston team who a lot of pitchers have had trouble with so far this season. 7,200, ton of name recognition here, Keith. Is he going to be chalk? Manoa, that is? Yes. Yeah, I mean, he's just he's a better pitcher than 7,200, right? I know he's, he's had his struggles this season, and he's not a huge strikeout guy. But this is a really good real-life pitcher. Um, he started he started to figure it out a little bit, too, I think. I think even if he's chalk, I've, I've got to play a little bit here. Boston is extremely low strikeout on offense themselves. So, like, he's, he's a cash game option for sure just because of the price tag. And I don't know if there's many pivots in the cheap range here today either, so... He's in play even like, I don't think he's going to go out there and strike out eight or nine today. Um, But if he can get you six innings clean with five or six strikeouts, that's playable at 7,200, even in tournaments. So he's in play. I think he's going to come with ownership, Um, but I like baseball. It's so easy to differentiate, like, especially on two pitcher sites. Um, I'll still have some for sure. Like he's just, he's underpriced here. Totally agree. And, um, Showed a little life and swinging strike stuff was pretty good against Seattle in his last start. And it's it's a big price thing. Like you said, uh, a ceiling at that price is much lower than a ceiling at 9,500, which, you know, he's a talented arm and we've seen him priced extremely high last season. And he just doesn't have to do much. He just has to kind of survive to yeah. possibly be an optimal in GPP. So 
if you think he survives, uh, you know, fire up Alec Manoa. I, I think the price is way too fair. Yeah, and... I mean, he's a similar play to Stroman and Bieber, to be honest. Like they're they're both in the nine K range, and Manoa's sitting here in, in the seventy two at seventy two hundred dollars. So, um, I wouldn't say he's quite on the level of Bieber and Stroman, but he is right there in that tier. So he should probably be like eighty six hundred here or something like that. So significantly underpriced. I totally agree. I was gonna say if. If we opened up this slate blind and you said Manoa's 9K, I wouldn't be surprised. I was like, yeah, it's Alec Manoa. Like, yeah. you know, he's going to figure it out. He's going to, you know, he struggled a little bit, but it's it's May 2nd. It's early in the season. You know, he's going to be, you know, that number two SP type of player for majority of the season unless there's something wrong with him for the most part. Tough matchup, but the price is really good. Uh, he's a cash game play, I think. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, like, Absolutely. Both formats, like, but if you're playing cash games, you're like, who do I pitch in cash games? He's one of your top three options, I would say. We'll get to another great one later in the show here. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess um, there's another guy that I think is significantly underpriced just because of the matchup. And I think you probably want to go up top for one of them as well. So uh, unless you want to go cheap with with two mid-range guys who are underpriced, I think that's, that's definitely viable. But I personally would probably want some ceiling. For $300 more, you can have Nick Pavetta. (laughs) Or maybe you'll pass on him. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That's going to be a pass for me. Um, just a tough matchup against Toronto. A ballpark that just does not fit his pitching style. Just a fly ball pitcher in Fenway Park is a horrible thing. Um, and then you add in, he gets a Toronto lineup that is absolutely loaded with right-handed power which plays really well in Fenway Park. Bad spot for Nick Pavetta. He just has not figured anything out this season. And he's a guy who I've picked on with lefty bat so far, uh, especially since he leans on that curveball a lot. And I've picked on him with guys that scores and odds for home run calls, such as like Vinny Pasquatino, who's a big, uh, you know, righty masher curveball hitter as well. And it's just both sides of the plate here. I mean, so far this season is XFIP's almost five. He is striking out, you know, at a, like average above average amount of batters, but he's just getting tattooed. I mean, giving up ISO over 200 to both sides of the plate, walking an incredible amount of batters, like nine and a half percent of batters um, and 42% hard hit ton of fly balls here. I mean, I would be surprised. I know it's a cord slate, but I would be surprised if Toronto wasn't fairly chalky against Nick Pavetta. Like, if people are saying, I'm fading the Coors game, like, they're going to Toronto probably yeah. as their first pivot. Yeah, I completely agree. Tor- Toronto bats are going to look really great on this slate. Um, I talked about just the right-handed power. You got the monster out, a really short left field with the monster. So 
Fenway Park is one of the best home run parks for right-handed hitters. Um, and we know Toronto is loaded with those guys. They're expensive. I think that there's Kirby we're going to talk about is, is underpriced. I think you can go mid-range pitching. Like there's not a ton of cheap options like there were on Tuesday night, but there's there's still some underpriced pitching. I think you're going to be able to fit in a, a Toronto stack if you want to. If you can't fit the full stack, you're certainly going to want to pick out a few power bats because there's going to be some home runs hit here, I think. Totally. And I like the I like a bottom stack here too. Like these guys can still do damage. Danny Jansen's coming alive a little bit. Um listen, we're neither of us are BVP bros, <laughs> but you know, there are a lot of BVP bros out there. And you know, when I'm looking at home run calls, I'll look at splits, I'll look at, you know, the pitch mix, you know, fly ball rates, hard contact, the whole nine. And then at the end, I'll be like, well, if there's any BVP, then that's like the cherry on top. You're like anything significant, not just like five at bats, but, you know, if there's like 15, 20 at bats and the guy has like, you know, five doubles and three homers, like maybe there's something there. It, it's it's a factor for me. It's not like, a, a, you know, a, an end all be all for me, but it's just another variable. Good God, does Toronto have Nick Pavetta's number, Keith? I'm looking at the BVP. <laughs> 141 at-bats the Blue Jays have, 319 average and a 596 slugging against Nick Pavetta. I mean, it's not just 10 at-bats here. The Blue Jays crushed Nick Pavetta in his career so far. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. Just as many fly balls as he gives up and as much ISO as there is in this lineup, I, I, if you had to, if you had told me to guess if they've been good against him in the past, I would have said absolutely. I think they have. Well, it looks like uh, the Blue Jays are going to carry some ownership. Rightfully so. Maybe we'll look at some home run calls. Maybe there'll be one or two guys in this lineup with some generous odds here. But the Blue Jays are are certainly in play. And, um, you know, we didn't talk about Boston bats, but is, you know, obviously this is a contact-heavy team with some talent here. Is there anybody at all you'd consider, you know, like for a three-max type of build, like playing on, on the Red Sox side of things here? Um, I, I mean, mean, obviously – Obviously, you could play Devers on any freaking slate. That goes without saying. <laughs> yeah, certainly. And and it's lefties that I would be interested in here. Manoa has been really good against righties. Um, struggled a little bit more with the lefties. So Devers would, is the first name for sure. Yoshida has been really good. Verdugo's been really good. Uh, Duran has been really good. So there, there's plenty Duran. of lefties here. Jaron Duran. Yeah. It's finally I mean, clicking. I don't think I want a full stack against Manoa, but I do think he's going to carry ownership. And I think a little three-man stack here for for a nice amount of leverage is a is a pretty good idea. I've been chasing Jaron Duran for like three years in my dynasty leagues in the whole nine, and I was so early on him. And then when he got called back up, I actually scooped him off the waiver wire in one of my leagues. I mean, the guy was playing for Team USA and things like that, and he just could not uh, – figure it out with this cup of coffee that he's had with Boston. But now with Adam Duvall going down, Duran, I think, has earned the right to stick with the Red Sox. And he gives you a little bit of stolen base upside. So, like, per dollar, other than Devers, I think Duran's my guy here. He did get the day off on Tuesday, or, uh, Tuesday I believe. So, I would imagine he'd be in the lineup against Manoa. We'll, we'll see. Um, but enough about the Red Sox. We can uh, move on, if you're good with that. And we'll talk about Minnesota and Chicago, 7-10 Eastern game. I mean, Good Lord, the White Sox are just miserable this year, but they have Dylan Cease on the mound, another stud pitcher who uh, kind of got roughed up his last outing. Uh, and for Minnesota, big old Louis Varlin taking the bump and, uh, you know, decent outing he had in his uh, 2023 debut against the Yankees. Six innings, three earned runs, but they were all home runs. He did strike out eight guys. So <laughs> listen, uh, just, 
it's like circling back to the Bieber has upside against the Yankees. Louis Varlin in his debut struck out eight Yankees. I think Bieber, you know, uh, can give you maybe a wide range of outcomes there. Anyway, uh, Dylan Cease against Minnesota. I don't think Cease is going to carry much ownership because his Minnesota lineup's healthy. He's priced pretty high. There's a couple other pitchers on this slate who are way underpriced here. Cease is a very interesting large field tournament option, I think. And, of course, it's a little terrifying, but he's got 30-point upside on any given day. Yeah, I, I love the spot for Cease. I, I respect the Minnesota offense. I think they're a well above average offense. Uh, but Dylan Cease was like a favorite for the Cy Young Award coming into this season. He's coming off a bad start. If that holds his ownership down, I'm more than happy to play him, um, even though it's not the greatest matchup. Um, I was surprised just looking here. Minnesota is actually struck out at the fourth highest rate in baseball. I would not have guessed that. Um, and not that I care too much about strikeout matchup for Dylan Cease. He's a guy that has just absolutely elite stuff and he can strike anybody out, but I'll certainly take a bonus where I can get it. Um, I, I agree with you. He's probably low owned in the spot because we've got Otani up top. We've got a couple nine K pitchers are, that are certainly in play. And then the two, two guys that are underpriced at 8,500 and 7,200. So he, he's just kind of at a weird price where there are other options cheaper and one that that's ex- more expensive that people love to play as well. So if people are scared of Minnesota and Cease comes in with low ownership, he might be my favorite tournament pitcher on the slate. Of course, Cease's Achilles heel has been walking batters. And I think this Minnesota, I think the range of outcomes here could be pretty wide. And yeah. I say that because they have four hitters in their projected li- lineup with a double-digit walk rate. But two of those hitters also strike out at well over a 30% clip, um, assuming Larnock, uh, Larnock and Gallo are in the lineup. So, you know, is he going to get those guys to chase or is he going to be a little inconsistent and, and miss the strike zone? I think uh, it could be a fine line here for Dylan Seuss and the Twins, but I think you're looking at, you know, off the top of my head, I'm assuming 10% ownership, maybe less, you know, uh, kind of a small slate, so who knows. But really intriguing spot here. Um for Dylan Cease and I just feel like if you're going to attack Dylan Cease on the offensive side I think you're going to full stack it because you're going to hope for a wild control game you know some big numbers with a couple of a couple of big hits and they get into that bullpen regardless regardless Cease rarely goes deep into games anyway because either striking out guys uh, or walking them so or both so I think both sides of this game is kind of interesting for large field tournaments yeah I think I think Minnesota comes in pretty low owned here too um and I'm interested especially Joey got like lefty power lefties. And there, there are some good ones here on, on Minnesota Gallo. It would be my favorite. Kepler is underpriced. Larnock is cheap. Um, Jorge Polanco has, is back in the lineup. Now he's hit since his return. Uh, he's 4,900. So a big price tag on him, but, and then obviously you have Buxton. You can play on any slate, anytime. Miranda is starting to hit a little bit. Like I do prefer lefties against cease, but don't mind a shot on Miranda at 3,300. Like Cease's walk rate, like yes, he's a massive strikeout pitcher, but that that walk rate can cause him problems. Um, pitch count can elevate really quickly. So if you only get five innings out of Cease here because he's walking a bunch of guys and they can score two or three off of Cease, and you get into that that White Sox bullpen for four innings, m- the Minnesota stack can definitely get there. Hear me out. I kind of like Louis Varlin for tournaments. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the White Sox are are bad. Um, and I don't know, Varland, like he's a really solid prospect, but he was striking out everybody in triple a before he came up too. Um, so I don't know if he changed something in his pitch mix this year or if something just clicked for him, but to see eight strikeouts in his debut 
after what he's done in AAA this season. Um, 40% strikeout. I knew it was high. 40.3% strikeout rate in AAA. Um, it was only three starts, 15 innings, but the results are still there. Um, so this is a guy that has big-time strikeout stuff, and the White Sox are not good. Well, he, you know, I don't think it's a fluke. I think he has stuff, and maybe it translates over to the pros quicker than than maybe we'd think. Uh, you know, looking at 2022 across two levels, double A and triple A, you know, through 126 innings, struck out 146 guys. So against a, a White Sox team that's been atrocious, and Eloy Jimenez is still day to day, I'm not sure if he's going to play. They did get Tim Anderson back, but I think this is a game where you can play both sides of, and I think you can actually play Louis Varlin. You know, things I never thought I'd say, I may second for 300, Alec. You could play Louis Varlin in tournaments. So he's so cheap. I, I don't know. I mean, if, if none of these high-end pitchers have a ceiling game, like the the the, the bats you can get with Louis Varlin and Manoa or, or Kirby, who we'll get to, is pretty crazy. I'm not banging on the table on Louis Varlin. I'm just saying I would totally be okay with having some chairs open. Yeah, I mean, we just talked about how much we like Toronto, but how expensive they were. This is your path to, to making the full Toronto stack work. Totally agree. Um, that being said, are you interested in anything on the White Sox side of the ball? I mean, we just picked on Varlin, had a pretty good first outing, you know, especially at his price tag. Gave up three bombs, though. I mean, I'm looking, you know, Andrew Vaughn is pretty cheap. Jake Berger has been barreling the heck out of the ball. So I think you can make a case to maybe find some power bats in the White Sox side of thing, especially if you're looking for some cheapies. Yeah, I think the like the punt plays that help you fit in the Luis Robert and the Tim Anderson, like it's a pretty stackable team, honestly, even though they like they haven't been great this year. But when you're getting Vaughn and Berger under 3K, it it doesn't make the price tags for Robert and Anderson hurt so much. So I, I do think they're in play. Um, I, Varlin was really good, but who, who knows? Uh, super young guy, might run into some problems here. Won't have a ton of exposure to the White Sox, but they're, they're definitely in play. Baltimore, Kansas City, 740 Eastern. Kyle Gibson, 8,100. Uh, you know, Solid real life pitcher, four zero ERA under four. Had a ceiling game against Detroit uh, two starts ago with thirty five points. So uh, there is ceiling potential there. And let's be real, Kansas City's a team that is atrocious right now as well. Uh, did call up uh, Michael Garcia, cool little prospect. I think he might have a nice MLB career. A lot of wheels there with Garcia, but that's not going to fix everything. So Gibson is a guy who might get lost in the sauce here, and uh, the Royals are not good at baseball right now. So he's kind of interesting right in that below George Kirby range, who's 8,500. And we'll talk to him when we get there. And uh, flip side, Zach Greinke, who, you know, you couldn't pay me to play in tournaments and he doesn't always get shelled, but he's not going to strike anybody out. Could be a big Babbitt game. Uh, anytime the opposing lineup, you know, is in the box against him. So this is kind of a, a, a tricky little game here. What are your thoughts, Keith? Yeah, Kyle Gibson is where I'll start. I think he is interesting, especially with uh, Manoa Price below him and Kirby just above him. Um, he, I agree. I think he kind of gets lost here, and this is a fantastic matchup. Gibson's not a guy that we love to play, uh, but like he, he, there is some upside here. I certainly wouldn't expect 11 strikeouts again like he put up against Detroit, but Kansas City is a fantastic matchup. Um, like they are, They have the sixth highest strikeout rate on the season. Um, so I, I think there's a little upside, more upside than normal here for, for Kyle Gibson. If he comes in 
at a quarter of the ownership of a guy like Kirby, I, I think you can certainly play him in tournaments. I agree. Ground ball pitcher. Um, he's a guy that, you know, will typically get deep into games. And when he's in a, a plus matchup like he is on Wednesday, I have a little bit more strikeout upside than usual. I, I think if you can get him at low ownership, that's really interesting. And I just feel like, again, this is shaping up to be a slate where you know, these guys that are priced at the top, you know, you don't feel fantastic about any of them, really. They're, they're ceiling games in there, you know, tough matchups. But we talked about a couple cheap guys and a couple guys in this AK range who who can help you get those bats. And I think Gibson is another one on the list as well. I, I think we could skip Zach Greinke. Uh, once upon a time, if this show was, you know, a decade ago, we'd have a different conversation. <laughs> but, um, you know, that being said, talk to me about some bats in this game. Uh, what are you looking at? Do you think Baltimore will come in, like, slightly overlooked on an eight-gamer with Coors and Toronto? I mean, like, the, the cat's out of the bag. Everyone knows Baltimore is talent now, and with projections and, and tools across the industry, there aren't any secrets. But I don't think they're top three in the pecking order here, and I think I'm, I'm kind of interested in the O's. Yeah, I, d- I definitely have some interest. Um, their pricing, I think, keeps them low-owned low as well. Um, not low-owned. They're, they're going to definitely catch some ownership. People like picking on Grinky. Um but you have Mullins priced up at 6K, Rutschman at, at 5,500. Obviously, those are the, the two upside guys. We saw the Mountcastle double dong on Tuesday night. Um, definitely prefer him against lefties, but he's still very playable here. Grinky is not going to strike anybody out. Um, so Mountcastle with big power at 4,700. I certainly like that. Gunnar Henderson has not hit a ton, but just there's so much talent here. You have to think he's turning it around here. Very soon, this could be a great spot for him to get back on track. Uh, he's not super cheap either, 4,100. I, I like him. Phil's a shortstop position. Um, so I, I'll certainly keep <laughs> – I've played a ton of him this year. I'm just going to keep trying until he finally turns it around because I love the prospect so much. Like, it's not a cheap stack. Jorge Mateo's price is 4,900. That's a bit ridiculous. Um, you have to pay for him, but I, I think there's plenty of upside here. Worth noting also that – the Kansas City bullpen behind Grinky also atrocious. So really good spot here for Baltimore. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I like the Orioles. Uh, I think they're all in play. Jorge Mateos is five to a guy all of a sudden. Uh, <laughs> you know, with it, whether or not it's sustainable, I don't know. But I think the O's are certainly an interesting talking point. This is where it gets fun. Uh, L.A. and St. Louis. Otani on the bump. Miles Michaelis on the other side here. I mean, it's not a cakewalk matchup, but anytime Otani's on the bump, you have to listen and you have to look and you have to figure out what's going on. Um, very expensive here, but we know what his ceiling is. Talk to me about Otani. It's kind of a critical decision point when you're building lineups for Wednesday. Yeah, you know, when I first opened the slate, I was kind of coming into this thinking Otani was going to be chalky. But after talking through some of these options, I think Kirby and Manoa is the chalk pairing. We might get Otani fairly low owned. St. Louis has not been good, but I think people still respect the offense. There's a lot of big names with Goldschmidt and Arenado in that name. A lot of prospects people are excited about. Uh, DeYoung has come back and hit the ball really well. So people respect the St. Louis offense. Otani doesn't respect any offenses. He's just awesome. He can mow anybody down. I'm really curious to see where his ownership comes in um, because I, I said Cease might be my favorite tournament pitcher, but if, if Otani is coming in at low ownership also, then Otani is absolutely my favorite tournament pitcher. 
Um, we have like eleven four is a big time price tag, but we've talked about Manoa at seventy two hundred, Varland at six k. We talked about being some, somewhat interested in. There are ways to make Otani in a, in a pretty decent stack work. So I'm always interested in Otani. Generally, no matter the matchup, no matter the ownership, I think this is a spot he might come in a little bit lower owned. Uh, so I'm I'm very interested. He he's the top overall option on the slate for me. Yeah, I mean, Manoa, Varland, you can make it work and you could stack a team that's fairly priced and then look for some power bats and some of these, you know, expensive teams that have some upside. So, uh, you know, if you're building single entry and, and three max, you know, it might come down to like, would you rather have Otani and Manoa, Otani and Varland or like Kirby and Gibson or like, you know, the mid guys. So um just depends if you think Otani's gonna have that ceiling game if he goes for a pedestrian 15 20 points which is good for most pitchers but not 11k hey it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today your savings are waiting to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Honey, you know, then he's an X button for your builds, but you know, it's hard to ever X button the guy, right? Especially if you're mass moldy entering. You know, if you're playing a couple of lineups, we'll see. But at his ownership, you know, it's probably going to be low, like you said. I'm, I'm more interested than I typically would be, I think, in this situation. Uh, Miles Michaelis. I don't know what to make of this guy. <laughs> just, just a nope I mean, tomorrow. I for me, it's it's a nope. Um, I, he finally had a good start, but like, I don't know. He he struggled out of the gate big time. He's never been a big strikeout guy. I respect the Angels' offense. I don't think I can do it here. Um, Otani sat on Tuesday night, so he's definitely going to be be in there, even though he's pitching. Should get a full like LA is definitely better against lefties. Um, but I, I still think there's plenty of talent here with Trout, Otani, Ward, Rendon. Like, like they just have a, a deep lineup this this season. Um, yeah, I mean, I there's not enough upside for Mike Liss. He's cheap, but I think the Angels can get to him here. Yeah, you know, typically a guy who wants to try to keep the ball on the ground, so it's it's tough for me to want to like full stack the Angels, but I will take the the, the players at a premium. You know, give me Renfro. Um, you know, notorious little sinker masher. Give me Otani. Give me Trout. Like I'll have. Some, I'd want to have exposure to those, uh, to those guys. But I like that call. A lot I don't know. Just picking up, picking out a couple of power bats, especially on days that Otani pitches. It's like you just can't stack the Angels, in my opinion, because like you have their highest upside hitter, him and Trout, certainly comparable. But Otani's in that conversation. When you can't play him as a hitter in the stack, it, it makes doing a full stack really tough. So I agree with you. I'd, I'd rather just look for a couple of home runs here. 840 Eastern Coors game, Milwaukee and Colorado. Kyle Freeland on the bump. Uh, the game was a dud on Tuesday. Yep. Freeland, you know, decent pitcher, you know, average guy who unfortunately calls Coors Field his home to pitch at. You know, Eric Lauer. Really struggles against righties, so I mean, it's like just screaming CJ Crone, right? <laughs> yeah, 
What what do we say about these games in the morning grind? I haven't done a morning grind in a while. What are you supposed to say about a core slate game anymore, Keith? Like, what are you supposed to tell the people? I mean, I've I've faded cores for the most most part of this season. Um, I'm gonna fade Milwaukee again. I think Milwaukee's not very good, um, and they've been atrocious against lefties. So, like Freeland, like he's not gonna strike out a ton of guys, but he does a good ball, good good job of keeping the ball on the ground. Um, I don't like Milwaukee's lineup just does not scare me. William Contreras is obviously a fantastic play. Willie, Willie Adamas is a fantastic play. Brian Anderson is, is a great play as well, but they're just, I don't know. I, I don't think Milwaukee's lineup is, is that talented and they've like their numbers against lefties are really bad this season. So the Milwaukee side is, is a pretty easy fade for me. Honestly, I think people are going to play them. They're, they they know the low strikeouts of Freeland. Um, I'll be underweight on Milwaukee. The Colorado side is a much more difficult conversation for me. Crone is the one that's jumping off the page for sure. Um, Grichik is recently back. I'm sure he's going to be in there against a the lefty. Um, Doyle has played a little bit since his call up. Um, hasn't hit much yet, but a decent prospect. Chris Bryant's priced up, but if that keeps his ownership a little bit lower, I'm all for that. McMahon, lefty-lefty, is over 5K. He should be low-owned. Don't love playing Blackman at 4,900, but I'd be fine with that. Diaz homered Tuesday night. He's in play. I'd probably end up near the field on Colorado. Um, I definitely prefer the the Rockies bats, the Brewers bats in this spot. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, you know, Lauer has appeal in the right matchup. I'm talking like outside of cores, you know, he's an okay pitcher, but righty certainly yep. get to him. Now we're talking about cores. I think the analysis there was, was pretty spot on and um, I'm with you on that one. And uh, I guess I would want to have some exposure here, try to get a little different with a pitcher or two or, or a secondary stack and, you know, fire up CJ Crone. That's for sure. Definitely. Yeah. All right, well, let's talk about George Kirby and J.P. Sears and the Seattle-Oakland nightcap here. Listen, uh, what are the odds George Kirby is the highest-owned pitcher with his 2.94 ERA against Oakland at 8,500? I mean, everyone just saw what Bryce Miller did to this Oakland team. Um, Shout-out to Bryce Miller. What a debut coming up straight from double-A. Was perfect through six, I believe it was. Ended up with 10 strikeouts. uh, Perfect through five. Uh, gave up a couple of hits in his in his final inning in the sixth, uh, but ten strikeouts in his in his debut coming straight from Double A. So George Kirby is on that level, like you said. He he was a very good prospect coming up. He has perhaps the best control in baseball at this point. Not a massive strikeout guy, but it's Oakland. He's way underpriced for this matchup. Um, we did see some K show up in his last start against Philly as well. I think he has massive upside here at 8,500. He is easily the highest on pitcher on the slate. I think it's going to be close between him and Manoa. I'm not, I'm I can't see a, a world where I'm fading him. Um, so I, the ownership number is going to be big. I hope it's not big enough where I have to completely lock him in today. Um, but if that's if that's the way that I have to go, then then maybe I consider it because Oakland is awful, especially against righties. Yeah, and he's just pitching so well. Such a high floor against the A's. Um, let's see here. Uh, he is getting, you know, chases outside the zone. His swing strike rate stuff's like average. Yeah, um, he's been down a little bit this year. Only 20% compared. He was at 24.5% last year. 
I think he's he's going to regress back to that 24% number. There's just way too much talent. He can put the ball wherever he wants it. Um, so I, I think there's more Ks coming here. But, the, but yeah, just can, sorry to interrupt, but good point there that the Ks have not been there so far. No, and, you know, he's not giving up a lot of hard contact. So it's not like, you know, it's not like he's getting completely lucky or anything. So great spot for him. Um, I, I, you know, good, good, good little ballpark. Uh, actually, very good ballpark at Oakland. Enjoy it while it lasts before they make the move. So uh, I like Kirby, all things considered. I think per dollar, he is probably the safest pitcher on the slate. We use the word safe for Bieber, but I think it's Kirby. Agree. All right. That being said, um, for tournaments, who are your three favorite pitchers right now at this moment? We don't know whether we don't know much, but we'll tell you some tournament pitching options. I'm pretty confident Cease is going to be low owned, so he he is on the board for me. Um, I'm pretty sure Otani is going to be less owned than Kirby and Manoa, so he's on the board for me. I will I will be paying up for both of those guys on this slate. Um, I. Could see 10 strikeouts coming from either one of those guys. I love that they both have a little bit tougher matchups. I think that holds their ownership down. Not only do they both have tougher matchups, we also have a very underpriced Kirby for his matchup um, and a very underpriced Manoa. So I, I think Otani and Cease are going to be lower owned than we're like originally coming in. I thought Otani was going to be chalk and you were going to go Otani Kirby. But with Manoa's price, I don't know. Maybe people are scared of playing it playing him in Fenway and Boston doesn't strike out a ton, but I 7,200 with as talented of a pitcher as he is. I think Manoa gets the ownership. So um, trying to find a third one. I'm certainly going to have more exposure to Kirby than anybody else that I'm listing next, but I don't want to, he's clearly the chalk on the slate and rightfully so. So I'll give you, I'll give you a Kyle Gibson. Actually, you know what? Ooh. Give me Louis Varland, actually. Ooh. <laughs> so oh, give me, it's Otani, Cease, and Varland. <laughs> I, I like that a lot. I, I can't argue with anything you said. I, I would definitely be prone to having a lot of Kirby on Wednesday's slate as well. I like Louis Varland a lot. I like the unknown there. I like the matchup. Let's yeah. see what happens. He had good minor stats. You know, I love the price for him as maybe a little bit of salary help. And maybe he outscores Alec Manoa. I mean, Manoa's got a tough matchup. I mean, pigs have flown. It's... We've seen some crazier stuff. I don't think it's that far fetched. Uh, I don't see think Louis it's far fetched at all. Like scored Manoa. Varland is looking like he's going to strike out a ton of dudes, and Manoa just does not do that. He gets touched for a home run or two in in Fenway, which is definitely not out of the like realm of possibilities. Um, I, I think Varland has a great a good chance to outscore him. Actually, I'm going to take Bieber as uh, my high end guy. Will be Bieber. I like the C's call. We know his upside. I think Bieber strikes out seven or eight Yankees and has his best start of the year. Um, and other than that, I mean, I our pools would be pretty similar. I mean, I'd sprinkle in some Otani just because he's the best player on the planet. And, you know, the Cardinals have disappointed quite often this season. <laughs> so I, I think that makes sense. Well, that's about it. Keith, you got anything else before we head out of here? I don't believe so. I'm going to go search the prop boards, I suppose. Um, thank you to Mason Miller for backdooring that with two strikeouts in this final final inning uh, to give me a profitable day. Uh, hit a couple of nice ones, but we'll, we'll be looking for some more for sure. Yeah, check us out. Check us out at Scores and Odds if you're not familiar. Uh, you know, state-of-the-art, long-time company in the industry for up-to-date odds. 
and betting lines. But in the past couple of years, you know, starting to change the game. Uh, our premium picks packages are awesome. The same personalities, you know, MLB Roto team is up what sixty units this year, I think, something like something insane. MLB team has been on on fire. He didn't stutter. We the MLB team collectively <laughs> is seriously up about sixty units. That's six and you, of course, are, are leading the way, sir. Don't be modest. <laughs> well, you know, I've I've been on a bit of a cold streak here. I've I've had some ups. That, there were some really generous K prop lines, like right off the bat, that you and I both kind of uh, attacked earlier in the year. And I went on an unbelievable home run heater. Um, yeah. It's just tough with cold weather to be consistent with home runs. Grant Grant's back. It's like I go on a heater, I cool off. Grant goes on fire, he cools off. Uh, Nicoleta gets hot. Kevin Rogers from Vegas Insider is uh, really crushing first five innings and. Uh, of course, it's good to have, you know, Britt Devine's in the mix here, posting all kinds. Our, our team is just, you know, uh, stacked from top to bottom. You know, Noto's into the baseball world now. So it's a lot of fun. And when you have a team of, like, 40 people that are collectively, like, total up 60 units, like, that, that's hard to do. And I'm not yeah. saying we're going to sustain it. I'd be shocked if anybody would throughout the course of the year. But it's kind of hard to believe. But it's a <laughs> lot of fun right now. And, um, you know, go check out Keith's. Uh, pitching props that's kind of kind of your wheelhouse over there right yep absolutely um wrote up a bunch of them today plan on doing a, a lot more here coming now that nba slowed down i can definitely spend a little bit more time on that um so yeah definitely get over to scores and odds check out check out those props yeah and our guy stevie over there is uh you know, pretty frequently popping picks in at scores and odds as well especially some nascar picks and we know uh stevie and nascar go hand in hand like Louis Varland and six innings, nine Ks, right? I mean, the guy <laughs> is going to throw 30 DK points tomorrow, right? Ooh, you heard, heard it here first. Hot take from Luch. Six it. innings, two solo shots, nine Ks. Mm, no. That, that... Eight Ks. Eight Ks. I, I was thinking pitch count. Eight Ks. That's That still plays at six K. that's right down the middle 300 yards looking at a wedge for eagle man that maybe i'm a little uh drinking the louis kool-aid but uh, i do think he's in play so it should be a fun slate with some of this pitching pricing we have keith i mean you really have the ability to get whatever bat you want yeah for sure um i don't i'm gonna be spending up for cease and and um otani a lot too so having that 6K pitcher in, in play is going to help me get the bats that I want for sure. Well, we'll stop rambling. Definitely stay tuned to Roto Grinders and Scores and Odds. You know, throughout the Wednesday slate, there's always good content pumping out there. We are going to take off. Hope you guys make some money. Hope you enjoyed listening, and we'll catch you again soon. <laughs>